You're listening to The Self-Worth Circle, hosted by Julie Haxel and Eva Eslander. We are here to remind you to raise your self-worth and wear your invisible crown. It's time. Hello, 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 and welcome back to The Self-Worth Circle. Yay, so happy that you decided to tune in. (laughs) So today... It's just me, Eva here, and like last week, I'm also going to share my yogic path with you thus far. So my journey towards becoming a yoga teacher, how my yogic path started, how I came became a yoga teacher, and also a little bit about my spiritual awakening. Yeah, I actually finished listening to Julia's episode yesterday while I was biking around in Lautasare here in Helsinki and and it was it made me smile so many times because we have a lot of kind of synchronicities and similar similarities in our stories. My yoga has also, you know, taken me to Bali. Um we've also practiced and studied with the same teacher Sato Tuomela. And my teaching is very much like Julia's, very spiritual, I'd say nowadays, and not that uh, kind of vigorous physical asana practice um, at all anymore. And it's funny because it used to be, and that's how it all started too. But yeah, before I kind of start unpacking my my journey and how I came to be a, a yoga teacher, I just want to acknowledge kind of the huge energetic shift that is happening on the planet right now as we are moving from 3D to uh, 5D um, energy. So 3D is, is is the physical reality that we're living in. I'm like 3D, three-dimensional. And it's it's obviously where we spend most of our time um, sometimes when you're maybe in meditation or feeling very connected to source and spirit. That's when you uh, ascend to the higher 5D realm. Uh, 4D is maybe kind of like the awakening, becoming aware of, of the other realms, of other, other dimensions, and also becoming aware of... The darkness and the matrix, um, which can feel kind of heavy. Uh, also, usually, kind of the the spiritual awakening is um, it's not always just a walk in the park. It can be more of a brutal wake up call um, and very aggressive. Almost like if when you think of a seed and a seed uh, starts to sprout, you know when it does start to sprout, it has to break out from the seed. So just kind of, so yeah, just maybe as an an, uh, metaphor to kind of have that, the vision of the seed. Um, So I'd say this year, 2020 has has definitely been been one of those, you know, really deep awakenings for a lot of people where we are, well, those of us, and I, I do assume now a lot of you already are on, on the spiritual path, are awakening, becoming aware of, of much more than that just the I can see or that what just meets the eye and know that there's so much more than this physical 3D realm 
And this year has definitely been a deep dive into the world of energy, into the world of, of spiritual awakening. And it can feel pretty exhausting and heavy, you know, just to have these ascension symptoms, which one of them has been feeling exhausted. And we posted in our on our social media feed for at the self-worth circle, I think um, a week ago or something like that, just about, you know, we asked you guys if you felt drained, exhausted, and if you've experienced any physical symptoms from from the, you know, from lately kind of the events unfolding in our 3D world. Um, and a lot of you could relate and a lot of you probably do feel some of these symptoms, but just know that we're in this together and we're here and we so can relate to what you're feeling. Um, we also experienced the lion's portal um, a couple of weeks back on the 8th of August and those of you who are unfamiliar with the lion's gate or what it means is it's, you know, kind of um, viewed as a very spiritual day uh, as it's in numerolo numerology, a double like eight day because it's August 8th um, and August is obviously the eighth month of the year. So it's a supercharged day and, and, um, yeah, it's it's kind of like an opening, a portal. So it's a really an inv invitation to step up your game, right? So if you felt called to go deeper into spiritual, if you felt called to find your path, to change direction, this is it. Like if you've been waiting for a sign, like this is it. So Lion's Portal is is not just asking you for you to do that. It's kind of like demanding for you to up-level it, right? So this is the time. It's time to, to up-level your game, you know, energetically, spiritually, physically, in all realms. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we've definitely been feeling that with Julia. We, we talked about it too, like, it's been a lot going on. If you're interested in maybe kind of diving deeper into all of uh, all of this, because um, it's, I mean, could be so many, many more podcast episodes on on their own about this, the theme of, of what is going on in the world and this spiritual awakening that's happening, not just, you know, to some, but to masses. Uh, you could look up Elizabeth April. She's one of our go-tos with Julia. We both really kind of can re relate and resonate with a lot of what she is offering and saying. So you can look her up. But yeah, so that that since that day, it's also kind of seen as the the day of the the or the first day of the new world or the new time in this world. It's been kind of heavy and very dense. And a lot of people, especially like light workers, star seeds, have been feeling these physical symptoms of being exhausted and just drained. Um, so yeah, just know that if you felt like that, worry not, we're in it. And 
it will get easier, you know, and uh, we will get through this and, you know, things will get better. Because um, a lot of us are waking up simultaneously and it's just time for a shift in the world. So it's time for the, the divine feminine to rise. And so it's time to claim our throne. So, yeah. But yeah, so just as a brief, brief, just one more thing about it. So what it means is just like that the earth and the star system of, of Sirius are aligned. So that's what kind of like what the, and it's the big initiation or the beginning of Leo season. So, um, and Leo rules the heart and Leo rules the spine. So that's why it's so kind of like needed for you to follow your heart, to follow, you know, your spine and your calling. Um, yeah. Well, um, let me just start to unpack and break down how kind of my yogic path started. Um, it's well, my first touched with yoga was at a very early age. I was a teenager, maybe 13 or 14 years old. And a friend of mine, um, her mom was, um, practicing yoga privately at their home. And so she had a teacher come to their home. I forget, like, was it once or twice a week or whatever? And she invited me to, to come and try it out with them. And I was curious. I had always kind of, you know, thought that it was some woo-woo tradition or practice, you know, for hippies. But I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll give it a go. And sure enough, I mean, we were teenagers, so I was just kind of, we were just giggling and being foolish when the teacher told us to press our pubic bones against the the floor. So yeah, it, my yogic path did not start there, but we, it was just more kind of like a, a funny experience. And we were like, what is this crazy practice? You know, just te being teenagers. But then later in life, in my early 20s, I still kept feeling very called and curious and drawn to yoga. Also, as a side note, my grandmother, um, she practiced yoga. She was, you know, very before her time. She actually, she was actually one, I think one of the first women in Finland to have um, driver's license, the driver's license. And, you know, she was a very kind of into health and wellness and, and practiced yoga before it was trendy or cool. So already that, like it was been in my DNA and, or it's in my DNA. And also, you know, uh, as they say, you know, you, when you are on the yogic path, it's because you've been a yogi in, in previous lifetimes. So that's why you just come back to it in this lifetime as well. So yeah, fast forward, maybe 10 or so years, not, not even 10, but it was in my early early 20s and I decided to go on this beginner course with my former boyfriend and um it was hatha yoga it didn't really I didn't really kind of get that I wasn't impressed let me just put it that way I was not impressed I was not like mm, I don't know this feels slow I'm not into it like blah so yeah after that weekend I was just like mm, nah forget about it 
And, but I still kept like hearing the, or feeling the call. And I just still kept like, my curiosity was still there. And sure enough, I decided to maybe, I forget, like it was months later or a year later. So I went on um, like yoga 101 beginner course to Helsinki Astanga Yoga Kolo, so the Ashtanga School of Helsinki. And this time I really, really liked it. And I really liked the physicality of it. Um, it like the, it felt very challenging. I felt like it was inspirational to see people doing their own practice, Mysore style. And yeah, I, I just really, this clicked for me. So I started practicing Mysore style Ashtanga, the primary sequence, very almost like religiously. I would go five to six times a week. Um, yeah, so almost every single day to the Helsinki School of Ashtanga and just like loving it. But then at the same time, you know, if you've practiced Ashtanga, it, it can be or become very competitive and not just competitive with other students, but I'd say competitive um, with yourself, right? Because how it works uh, is that you do your own practice, Mysore style. So you do the, the primary sequence of Ashtanga and you get new poses as you advance. So as you get stronger, as you get more supple and flexible, the teacher will come around and when she thinks that you're ready, she will give you the next pose. And you go, so this like kind of then you go into, <laughs> into practice and, and, and I noticed, you know, I would go in, I would do my practice and, and, you know, the, t- the teachers, teachers, there's sometimes there were, you know, numerous teachers or, um, people assisting. So they come around and assist you. And, and if I would like leave without like anyone giving me a new pose, I would just kind of feel bummed. Right. So it's like, that's not yogic. That's not how it's supposed to be, but that can become very, you know, easily happen if you have at all like a a competitive mindset which a lot of people have you know just naturally and also because it is so systematic it's it's maybe one of the reasons it's so popular actually ashtanga is the a couple of the the top worlds in uh, that are so into ashtanga are japan and finland and it's just funny when you think about our culture it's kind of like very systematic and following orders and rules so, so yeah. Um, so I always wanted to then advance and it kind of become, became this, uh, waiting game for the next pose and the next pose. And then sure enough, I, I, you know, did a pose my body was not ready for. Um, I for, I think it was Arda Matsyendrasana D maybe or C. Like my hips have always been tight and my ankles have always been very tight. So it was just a lot for me to go into this pose without being ready, right? And the 
the teacher, she just, you know, told me to breathe, but I couldn't breathe because it felt off. But I was young, you know, I was my early 20s and I was just like wanting to advance and wanting to become so strong and flexible and not really caring about my body at this point, like not whispering, but pretty much yelling at me, like, like back off, but I wouldn't. So sure enough, I sprained my ankle, which forced me to back off for months. And through this injury, I started exploring other lineages and styles of yoga. And that's how I found um, yin yoga. That's how I found also vinyasa yoga. Um, after having practiced Ashtanga for so long, right? It, going to a vinyasa class where there was like even trendy pop music felt so refreshing and I was just like so into it. So I started practicing vinyasa. I would go to different studios and it just felt like this was my jam. Like this was fun. Um, I still, you know, and, and also what I loved about vinyasa was that the sequence would always change, you know, because you go into an Ashtanga class, like, you know what you're getting, right? It's, it's just the same sequence. So it was very refreshing and very exciting to have these new styles of yoga and not never really knowing like what was going to happen during class and the music and the vibe. It was just super, super fun for me. Um, so yeah, so then life happened. I, I graduated from, from the Swedish School of Economics because I was studying, studying, studying um, economics at that time. And me and my former boyfriend, we moved to Mexico uh, to help his parents out with their, with their businesses. If you've listened to our, our previous episodes, you've probably heard me heard me um, tell about my, my life in Mexico where I lived for nearly seven years. Um, and in Mexico, you know, this was 2012. So yeah, I graduated 2012 and then we moved to Mexico right away. We, prior to um, moving, we spent one semester in Bali uh, as exchange students and also traveling around in Bali. And I also practiced yoga there, um, but not like super full on. It was more like kind of like surfing and just traveling. But yeah, but still I, I did some some yoga in Bali. Um, okay, so then we t off to Mexico we go and it was just a huge, I mean, huge life change. It was, I was this young woman. I had just graduated from, from the Swedish school of economics and, you know, having studied business, but still having had this yogic practice on the side, kind of a, like a very, um, interesting mix, but yeah. So there I was in Mexico and just kind of having to find my new, um, studios and, and, and adjusting to everything there. So, you know, just not finding a new yoga studio, but also finding new friends and, and getting, you know, climatized and, and, and getting just immersed in the culture and learning the language and the whole 
like deep dive, like school life, school of life. So that's what happened. So I would say that was for me, like, well, you know, it's been, it it still is for me, like the biggest growth of my life is having lived in Mexico for so many years. Like I wouldn't be the person I am here if I didn't move there. I wouldn't be talking to you guys on this podcast show if I wouldn't have moved to Mexico. So I am so grateful for that experience, for all of my experiences, all the good and the bad, because it is, you know, it has made me into whom I, who I am. And it's also helping me become the woman I want to become. So yeah, Mexico, um, it was so much and I'd say the, the physical asana practice of yoga was <laughs> like, that was the easiest, right? Like it's the, the growth um, that happened as a person, just learning also a new language. It was just like, that was huge. And, you know, you have to be outside of your comfort zone 24 seven trying to communicate with people in foreign language. But yeah, slowly but surely, I started to find uh, friends. Um, we first lived in, an, in a little town called Bucerillas for like six months or so. And then we moved to Sailita. And that's where I found my local, local yoga studio called Hotelito de los Sueños, like the small little hotel of dreams translated. That's also where I've hosted uh, numerous yoga retreats. Um, and I, I, I went there and I, I'd re- I didn't really know anyone. And, and you know, I, I didn't really know what kind of class it was, but I went there. I remember it was Vanessa's class. And, and, and I was just like, holy shit, like I had found home. It felt so good and my love for yoga just kept getting so much deeper, like the deeper, deepest it's ever gone. And, you know, having those euphoric, uh, almost like ecstasy-like experiences post-practice during Shavasana and feeling very home like I just felt very connected to myself and it felt so right and I was like very happy and and during during that time and and those classes and it became very very much you know my life and my lifestyle just going to yoga several times a week and exploring these new teachers these you know new styles and I was just loving every bit bit of it Um, so yeah, then a year later or so, 2013, so I had now been living in Mexico for about a year. I was in Finland in the summer visiting and again, like excited to be back home in Finland and trying out different classes here and there. And, and, uh, I just felt like I really wanted to take my yoga game to the next level and and go on a teacher training because I just felt like 
the calling and I wanted to learn more. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people when they go on to yoga teacher trainings say that they go so because, you know, or for themselves because they want to take their practice at the next level and they're not, they're not necessarily in it to, to teach. And that's also kind of how I felt. Like I really wanted to learn more about the philosophy, uh, you know, about the practice, the, you know, everything, the, the energy realm of it, um, and the teachings. So I started looking for teacher trainings. And for those of you who have gone to a teacher training or who are thinking of going to a teacher training, I mean, you can relate. Holy shit. Like you're like Googling and you're asking everyone and you're Googling and you're researching and you're looking at photos, you're reading reviews. And, and then, you know, when they say, just listen to your intuition and pick a teaching, you can't because you're just, or that's how I felt. I was just like, you know, saturated with so many options so many beautiful images like worldwide of these various teachings and I mean teacher trainings and methods and teachers and whatnot and oh so I felt very overwhelmed so then I just had to you know kind of (laughs) like just pick one so that's what I did and I picked one with Satu Tuamala and Ramesh Tarush Nairin and I, I picked it because I had taken her classes before and I really liked her teaching um like when I lived in Finland I had gone to her her vinyasa and dynamics classes and I really liked the kind of the vigorous style um so also it felt maybe safer than just going to a random you know PT that you find online and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to pick that one. So I, at least I knew that, Hey, I like, I know this teacher, you know, I've gone to her classes and it felt like a safe option. And then I, what I really liked about it was that, well, a, it was like with her. And then it was with this Canadian teacher, Ramesh Tarun Narin, because, um, that meant that I could learn to teach both in English and in Finnish, uh, which was amazing because I was living in Mexico. So, I mean, well, for me, it was, it made more sense to actually learn to teach in English than in Finnish. Um, and also the, the, te- the t- teacher training was in Nicaragua. So it was really close to home at that, at that time, which was Mexico. So, yeah, um, we, you know, we spent the summer in Finland. So th- this was 2013. And then we went back to Mexico. And then I forget what month it was. But then, you know, 2013, that's when I I uh, went to Nicaragua for the five-week TT. And it's, you know, it's it was a like such a strong experience. It's funny, like my friends in Mexico would call me Eva 2.0 because they said that I was so different when I came back. But I mean, we were practicing like twice a day, sometimes for hours. We were meditating every morning. We were doing, you know, all these different yogic practices, not just um, 
breath work and pranayama and meditation, but we were also doing the the nostril cleansing. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so it was like a lot of, a lot of work physically, internally, uh, spiritually, and, and also like, um, logically, I guess would be the word because of so much information. And it was, yeah, the, the kind of the, what kickstarted my, my, obviously my yoga teaching, um, even though I had been, had been kind of th- thinking maybe it's just for myself, but now like that's, that's what really started it. And, and it felt good to teach. It felt right. It felt aligned. So after having graduated from that or completed the the 200 hour teacher training, I went back to Mexico and slowly but surely I started teaching at the beautiful Hotelito de los Sueños, which was my, my home studio at the time. And I started with yin yoga classes because A, I felt <laughs> more comfortable because you don't have to talk that much. You can just play the music. And I remember I was like so nervous to start with. First of all, I was teaching in English and and uh, then later also in Spanish. And it was just, I, my English was good at the time, but it wasn't as good as it is now. So back then I was nervous to, you know, say something silly or mess up, you know, I don't know, like say something odd or weird. Because all the, you know, most of the students, well, not most, but I'd say maybe, well, a big chunk or a big part of the students were either, you know, Americans or Canadians, like fluent in English. And I was like, they're going to judge me. But these are just like, you're silly. (laughs) Or my, this was just my silly kind of insecurities. But yeah, I was so nervous. So that's why yin felt like a safe option. And... uh, And then I noticed like, you know, after a while that, hey, I can do this. Like it's, it's, it's not that scary. And I started teaching vinyasa and then I started, you know, really playing with music and using music as an enhancement for, for yoga. And music is so powerful and it still is, it plays a huge role in, in my teaching because it's so powerful you know music vibrates at a different um frequency and it really can enhance the experience and it really can give you energy it really can unlock things so for me music has always been such a powerful tool that I love to use in my teaching. And this is also what I started playing with. So I, I'd say like becoming a yoga teacher and DJ was what happened because I started like curating these really beautiful um, playlists, or at least I thought they were really beautiful. And it's, like I said, it's still a huge part of my my teaching is having these, these amazing playlists. Um, so yeah, and then... So then, you know, I slowly started getting more comfortable and comfortable. And then um, I started organizing like yoga retreats uh, with, um, with this Canadian Canadian girl. Like we would do these women's retreats, like goddess themed women's retreats. And then as 
we were doing them, I was also, you know, privately studying with uh, one of my teachers, Jennifer Isaacson. And she is the, I'd say the big part of why I'm so into chakras uh, and the energetic realm, because she was using a lot of chakras and structuring her teachings around the chakra system. And that's what really kind of opened up this world to be even more. Like I have always been very drawn into the the energetic realm, but then with her, it kind of, again, became so much more deeper. Um, So yeah, we, that's also what we did. We were kind of using the chakras in our retreats and structured the, the week around the chakra system, which was very, very, um, beautiful. It was like a very beautiful way of, of, of structuring the retreats. Um, and then this kept going for some years. Um, I, I didn't do, um, much more training at that time. What I did was I did like a neuro linguistic programming course and I would incorporate that into my yin yoga classes, but I didn't do other teacher trainings, um, because I was so immersed in, well, life in Mexico, but also like working and doing these retreats and, and it wasn't even really possible to, for my, my schedule to, to take big chunks uh, of time off of the, the busy retreat, retreat, um, schedule that we had built up. Um, but yeah, so then this kept going for years actually. And, um, then, then life happened. Um, and I've shared some of you know, of these personal things before on this podcast. But so what happened is me and my ex broke up and it was a very um, painful breakup. It was um, very sudden events that led to the breakup. Um, And my heart was broken and I was very confused and I didn't really know what to do because here I was, you know, in Mexico, having built my life around this person and having moved my entire life to the other side of the world to leave everything behind me to, you know, build a life with him there. We were going to like build a house. I was like waiting for him to post me basically. And then it was just like this rug was being pulled from underneath and I was just turning 30 so if those of you who are familiar to Saturn return this was my Saturn return like brutal and I remember my tarot year card if you're not familiar with tarot year cards I highly recommend you look into that so you pull or it's like you can you don't even you can pull a tarot year card but you also math like numerologically or mathematically there's a year card for you for each year so you can look that up online it's really easy to find So my year card for that year was death. Uh, (laughs) And death it was. My my grandmother died that year. My cat died that year. And what I'm going to share with you, like how it died, is it was eaten by a python. 
like I shit you not, it was eaten by a python. And if you know symbolism, if you know spirit animals, you know that um, cats transmute energy and snakes are symbols for awakening. Snakes are symbols for spirituality. Snakes are symbols for transformation. So my cat was eaten by a snake uh, also during that time. And then my business with um, the Canadian girl crumbled. We had a fallout and, and then my relationship crumbled. And it was just like shit hit the fan. And I was living in paradise, feeling everything else but paradise. I felt so lost and sad and heartbroken. And it was just crazy because the parents of my former boyfriend had built a yoga studio in in their hotel that I was going to run and it was going to be called the Moonshala because <laughs> I've always had this connection to the moon but then oh, I'm like even getting kind of oh, emotional talking about this again but it was so painful it was Like I said in the beginning of this episode, it was what made me grow out of that seed and fully, you know, bloom into the person who I am and who I'm still becoming and grow so much. But it was not without hardships. It was not without floating, being confused and lost for, I'd say, two years. So I ended up staying in Mexico for two years and I ended up going deeper into my spiritual practice, I ended up exploring with plant medicine. And plant medicine showed me a lot. Um, You know, it's an altered state of being and you can access information from your pineal gland. You can see patterns. You can see your own limiting beliefs. You can see the wrongdoings you've done. You can see the wrongdoings you've felt, the illusions of them. And it's just a very, 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 very transformative journey to be, um, you know, diving deep into. And that's what I did. And it wasn't not, not just like spiritual awakening or more awakening. I mean, I had already been on the spiritual path, but it was like a deep dive into it. Just like this year has been like a huge deep dive into it again for a lot of people, but it was on my own personal journey. It was like a deep dive into spirituality. It was like um, always praying to my, I had an altar always at my home and I would always pray at the altar and and use like a lot of different methods, go to different healers, um, do, you know, a lot of uh, breath work to cleanse and release and let go. And yeah, it was so difficult, you know, like even though I was doing all the spiritual work and, 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 and trying to kind of heal from the heartbreak, I was still in so much pain. So I was also kind of numbing myself and 
and partying and going out every weekend and and just kind of wanting to feel validation from other people and and uh yeah so I kind of took a break from practicing yoga during that time I would go maybe a couple of times a week or maybe even once a week but it wasn't really like asana wasn't that inspiring to me at the time because of my own personal personal situation I was just more into the energy of of it all um and I was going down into the wrong kind of downward spiral because I was so floaty and without direction. So I, I, um, you know, I, I finally, I think I've, I've talked about this in a previous podcast episode. Like I was dating this <laughs> douchebag, sorry, lingo, but that's, that's the only word that I can use. But, uh, you know, that being said, he was being a douchebag because I gave him permission to be, you know, you're, you're the one who sets the tone. You're the one who sets the boundaries and I didn't set boundaries. And it, you know, went so far until my body, my mind, my highest self was yelling at me, you need to get the F out of here. And that's when I, 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 I did. I, bought a one-way ticket to to Finland and I came to Finland and and you know once you do release and let go of something there's always this magnetism that happens like you're it's almost like your energetic body like you know becomes alive again and that's what happened to me and and everything started aligning and and I was back to to feeling good again and and started practicing again. And, and then I was also, I had this great opportunity to go to, go to Italy and teach on a yoga retreat there. And it was just feeling aligned again. And, um, and I really noticed how, how this, these life experiences started coming out in my teachings, like pouring out of me. And, it was almost like sometimes I felt like I needed to reel it in a notch. Like if I was just noticing how I would say some things or or deeper thoughts or, or whatever you want to call them during class or before Shavasana or whenever during the any moment in, in the class, because it was like my truth coming out and yoga became so much more than just a physical practice of alignment. And I think Julia put it so well, like just more than a warrior one and a warrior two, it became more of, of sharing the wisdom, this ancient tradition and the wisdom behind it and the true wisdom behind having a mind body connection and how it's so important and how it's so important to keep that connection going, even if we feel drowned, you know, drained or that we're drowning in emotion is to keep that bionic connection going. And that doesn't mean when I say that, that it has to be through asana practice, but just it means like tapping into you, 
Because the practice keeps evolving as you evolve and grow. It's not always going to be the same. It's not always going to be, you know, Ashtanga. Or maybe it is, and that's also okay. But for, for me, it wasn't. It kept, kept moving as I grew. It kept, kept evolving as I evolved. And it still does. And my practice still changes and evolves. And right now, I'm more into meditation than I've ever been because that's where I'm going with my practice. It's becoming more and more spiritual. It's becoming more and more in-depth. It's becoming more and more wise. And wisdom is something you get through experience. It's not something you can read from a book. It's not something you get from a yoga teacher training. And I'm not ready. I'm never going to be ready. You know, we're, we're always growing and evolving. But the beauty is really just following, following your path, following the directions that, you know, spirit is always giving to you. Because there's always going to be those little, you know, hints or spirit winks, if you may, like those little kind of Oh, clues on where to go next, what to do next. So just becoming more observant and aware of those is what yoga has given me. And I'd say like yoga is just a big umbrella word for spirituality in, you know, in itself. A lot of people, when you say yoga, it's just like downward facing dog. It's, it's, man, like down dog, it's just one pose or whatever. Like Julia was saying, splits or handstands. It's so much more. It's being tapped in, being rooted and grounded, yet open and receiving, evolving, growing, understanding. So yeah, it's... That's what it's become for me as well. And I feel because Julia and I do have those similarities in our journeys, that's probably what has brought us together too, that our both of our practices have changed from a physical asana practice, which we still both enjoy. I'm sure I can't speak for her, but I'm sure she does. But I still, of course, enjoy a great, you know, vinyasa class or yin class, whatnot, but but, you know, what's more, what's deeper than that is the internal growth, the internal compass that is becoming more and more clear. And that's the real beauty of it. That's the real depth of it. That's the real key of it, you know? And yoga can be that avenue. Yoga, yoga can be that bridge, that tool, or that invitation for you to step and embark on this journey that's so powerful, beautiful, and medicine. Because it, it that's what it is. It's medicinal, this path, this journey. And that's why you're here. That's why you're here listening to this podcast. Because you are on the path, you know, to become the highest version of you. And we're just so honored to be sharing with you this energetically to be in this together, it's what a great time to be alive, you know, even despite the hardships of it, because we are evolving also as a species, we are evolving. The collective consciousness is ascending.
Whew, I think I'm going to end it on, on this note. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I want to thank you so much for having tuned in and listened to me share about my yogic path and growth life. Um, and like always feedback requests, thoughts, comments, uh, roses and thorns are so, so welcomed. And yeah, I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day wherever you are. And I hope you tune back in soon. Bye.